If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Okay, you guys, I'm going to start by talking about near-death experiences and what happens to people who have them. I've always been totally fascinated by this because harrowing experiences often ignite, and you've probably seen stories about this, a profound shift in perspective. And it's like that Tim McGraw song, Live Like You Were Dying. I went skydiving, I went Rocky Mountain climb. You Okay, I will spare you. I don't know if any of you have come close to a near-death experience, but I just got back from three weeks of travel that took me on 14 different flights in five different time zones. So during one of those 14 flights, just before landing, it got harrowing enough that I thought, well, it's been nice knowing y'all. Okay, I'm not kidding. All right, I'm going to tell you where it was because it's going to help you visualize what happened. We were heading to the French West Indies island of St. Bart's. I'd never been, so I had no idea at all that the landing is always a white-knuckled ride. You can only get there by those tiny puddle jumper planes. The approach is harrowing because the pilot has to... I can best describe it as he has to sort of thread a needle, meaning go right between two mountain peaks. At that moment... The plane gets buffeted by really strong winds whipping through the thin slice of space. The second the plane gets through, it only has about two seconds to touch down because the runway is so short and the ocean is right at the end of the runway. So unless you want to go swimming with your luggage, that pilot has a very small window to bring the plane to a stop. And so this is what I was totally unprepared for. The second we bisected the two peaks, the nose of the plane went straight down, almost like we were going to smash into the runway. But the pilot then expertly pointed the nose up just in time to touch down. Yay. I mean, it's a little overdramatic to call it a near-death experience, but it did make me understand why people who've endured real near-death experiences tackle goals the rest of us would never think of. Like my guest today, what an extraordinary story. She was a Utah mom of seven kids doing what moms do, help with homework, do the laundry, be there for them. When last year, in a fateful moment, a catastrophic car accident left her fighting for her life. That accident became a turning point, a, a catalyst of sorts that awakened within her an indomitable spirit and unyielding determination to not only survive the accident— but it urged her to seek extraordinary experiences that would test the limits of her endurance and resilience and put her back into danger. Her name is Jen Drummond, and she is my guest today on Everyone Talks to Liz. Hi, Jen. Thank you for joining us. Hi, Liz and everybody listening. Thanks for having me. Oh, I know our listeners are, are totally into this story already, but I need to just get over the seven kids part right off the bat. Ages, what, 10 to 16? 10 to 16, yes. I just had one turn, so I now have four teenagers, 
And yes, I, and I realized, Liz, <laughs> this is how silly my story is, that when my son is 19, the twins will be 13. So I will have seven teenagers at one time. Girl, you cray. I'm not kidding. I, I mean, two I teenagers was hard for me. I came from five kids, four girls, and then my little brother, Brooke. We call oh. him the Messiah, of course. Um, I thought that was a lot of kids. Wow. Is, is this part of like the what you always wanted? I mean, did you always dream of having a huge family? Yeah. Um, okay. So I grew up Catholic to give everybody some background. My dad is one of 11. So Whoa. I had been... I have 65 first cousins on that side of the family. So I'd been around family and big families. But the unique story here is that I struggled with fertility issues and had to have assistance. And it was a horrible experience for me because I felt like I was a female. We are born to have babies. Why can't I do the one thing that Mm. we're naturally supposed to be able to do? Um, And then I went to fertility treatments and did not have success for a while, which is even more heartbreaking. And then one day they figured out the perfect chemical cocktail and I became a hen and they somehow (laughs) got 28 eggs out of this body. And those 28 eggs fertilized into 14 embryos. And for those of us that are on this fertility journey, like I was, um, I listened to that story, but I was really focused on having that one child. And so then when I got a bill from the fertility clinic saying I had embryos on ice, I really was aware of what that truly meant. And for me, I didn't want to destroy them in the state that I lived in. They give them to you to destroy. And that felt horrifying. Oh, my gosh. I could have donated them. But if I donated them my whole life, I'm going to be like, are you my kid? Are you my kid? Are you my kid? And and are you being said, treated well by the people who actually yeah, got are, they, are they doing their job right? Because I'll be there. <laughs> so then I'm like, you know what? I have these embryos. I'm just going to use them. I'm letting go. I'm surrendering to the circumstances. The big guy upstairs is going to tell me what's right. And they thought I would have three or four kids. I was in it for three or four kids. When you're five kids deep and you still have embryos, You really wish you could go back on your word, but you can't to yourself (laughs) because then you won't ever trust yourself. And I have seven beautiful humans that call me mom. I am super lucky, but it's been a journey. I am so touched. I love that story. So let's talk about your childhood first, beyond your kids. You grew up in Michigan, actually, correct? Smitten with the mitten. Yes, I did. Okay. So you were a Wolverine or a Spartan? Oh my gosh, do I have to say this on, on live? You totally do. <laughs> so Commit. Yes, I totally do. Okay, I'm a Wolverine fan, even though my grandma was one of the first women to graduate from Michigan State. Oh, wow. So it's a hard thing. Okay, yes. well, Grandma, forgive forgive your wonderful I know, grandma. grandma, don't listen. <laughs> no, she has to listen because your story she's listening. I promise is going she's to listening. unfold right now. Before our unbelievable audience, I love our listeners. They love these kinds of stories of fighting back and the climb, and and we'll get to all of that. But um, let's talk about college, because you were athletic. You were playing soccer. You got a scholarship to SMU, right? Southern Methodist University? Yep. That's not easy to do. Not easy to do. I'm grateful for that experience. I didn't end up loving soccer. It was my goal to get to division one. It was not my goal to become a professional soccer player. 
Um, when I got to division one, I, I realized everybody's goal there was to be a professional player. Mm-hmm. So I actually ended up stop pl- not playing my entire career of college, but um, did enjoy the experience why I did. But you lost the scholarship, right? Don't you have to play to yes. keep the scholarship? Yes. Yes. So then when I lost the scholarship, the school became out of our price range and I had to transfer schools and I went to Hope College in Holland, Michigan, which was an amazing school. Like it worked out perfectly. Oh, it's funny how the journey takes you on on little side roads that you wouldn't imagine end up being yeah. really important down the road. Definitely. Yeah. The interesting thing is because this is how life works. I had to take a senior seminar class at Hope College and there was none left and I had a job lined up and I had to take a course and I'm like, whatever course you have, I'll take. And they have this course called Healing, Dying, and thriving. Wow. And I was like, that is the worst name. I don't want to take a course on dying. You have to go visit cemeteries and things. What are you talking about? And I took that course. It is my favorite course I've ever taken at a collegiate level, healing, dying, and thriving. It was magical. So there's another little twist that sends you on the right path. Well, you guys, listen to me. You know I've said this before. Opportunities are going to fly past you in packages you don't recognize grab them. And that's what you did. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. That's just amazing. This is Everyone Talks to Liz, and we will be right back. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Clayman. Just go to Indeed.com slash Clayman right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Clayman. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Uh, Okay, so let's talk about getting married, then moving on to Utah. What what brought you yes. from Michigan to Utah? Okay, so I have seven personalities with seven wonderful humans under my roof, <laughs> and I love <laughs> I love Michigan. I, my I have five boys and then twin girls. Okay, and the five boys are all energy that never need to recharge. I don't understand it, but it's I we should be a science experiment, <laughs> and I. And in the winter in Michigan, it's a little gloomy and it's the weather's not great and there's not a ton of things to do. So I took the kids to Park City to go skiing a couple of years in a row. And every year, everybody was in a great mood. There's no fighting. We could be outside because it's sunny so often and mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. And the coach, one of the coaches that was skiing at those years, like, you should move here. I said, we should. And then I made a couple phone calls and every phone call was yes. Yes, this is available. Yes, you can do this. Yes, you can do that. And so then the January 15 or January of 2015, we went for a trial run for six months. And by February, we were moving. Like it was. I can't imagine moving seven kids. Well, did you have all seven at that point? I had all seven at that point. The twins were two. And the hardest part was 
you know, if you're from the Midwest and listening, there's kind of this Midwest vortex that you don't leave the Midwest, like people Mm -hmm. don't leave. And so me leaving with the only grandchildren 2000 miles away from home was not well perceived, Mm -hmm. but now it's super supported. It just was a big transition for all of us. Yeah, because they get to visit. Yes, it's they awesome. do. Uh, what, it is. Were you working between college and the children during the Yeah, kids? yeah, yeah. I, I started an investment company. So I own a financial service company that still operates in Michigan. Oh, my God. You're superwoman. We're all superhuman. Well, you know what? You're right. It's just a matter of who puts the gasoline into our engines. And it's usually us. We have to be the car. The steering wheel, the driver, the engine. I, I always tell people, don't wait around for somebody to hand you a, a helping hand. doesn't happen most often. It doesn't. And for me, I had a internship at a furniture company in Holland, and that was when the Y2K thing happened. And so all of a sudden, we were begging people to come to work. And then one day we said, no, now we don't want any of you at work. <laughs> and that experience <laughs> led me down to the road of, I'm going to work for myself. I'm going to just be responsible for my own deal because I know I put 110% into everything I do, and I do not want to have somebody else be responsible for my security of my job. So, yes. All right. So here comes life, and we know that life brings us unexpected blessings but also dramas. 2018, tell us what happened. Yeah. So uh, 2018, I'm driving down the highway. I was heading to a nearby town to get a driver's license because I had lost the one that I had. And on the side of the road, I was paying attention to the reservoir, looking at it. I'm like, why isn't it frozen over yet? I wonder when it's going to freeze over. And then I brought my attention back to the road and I realized I'm coming up very fast to a semi pulling a trailer that is going very slow. Okay. And so I try to get into the left lane. And in that pursuit of getting into the left lane, I crash into the semi truck. Um, his rear end hits my passenger side. I flip end over end three times, then do some twists in the median, and then finally come to a stop. Um, and then I'm sitting in my car, and I don't even know what just happened, but I have a guy pull down the windshield, and he's like, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? I'm looking at this human. I don't know if I'm okay based on your facial expression, so oh, I don't know. And he's and I closed my eyes. And wiggled my fingers and toes. Okay. I could feel my fingers and toes. I could feel my fingers and toes. I said that multiple times as if it makes it more real, right? If I say it five times, it's real then, right? Right. So um, they sent me to the hospital just to make sure I wasn't masking any injuries with adrenaline and things like that. And I was released home to my house three hours later, came in those front doors and life was never the same because I looked at those kids and I thought, man... I was, they should be orphans right now. And the reality is the police called, like the police called a couple weeks after the accident said, hey, we've tried to rebuild this thing at least 50 times to make this area safer. We don't have a scenario where you live, let alone walk away. Yeah. But flip, wow. Flip three times. End over end. Like it was fascinating. Well, That's in retrospect, you could call it fascinating. Uh, it sounds outrageously yeah. terrifying, but okay, so you survive it. You looked at your seven kids and you said, wow, I almost lost all of this. I almost lost all of this. 
some people would curl up and be extra cautious. You took a totally different track. What did did. you do? What began to germinate in your mind? Yeah. So to add on to me surviving this accident, um, a girlfriend of mine was running on a trail that you push a stroller on and it was wet out. She slipped, hit her head, passed away, never came home. Oh gosh. And so I'm sitting here with, I just survived this horrific experience. She did something healthy. Mm-hmm. What I don't even know how to make sense of this. And I came to the conclusion that we don't get to determine when we die, but we sure get to determine how we live. Mm. And life truly is this gift that is given to us, and our gift back is living it. And so, so tw- yes, so go ahead. Did you go 2.7 seconds on a bull named Fu Manchu, like from the song? <laughs> What what did you decide to do to live yes, more? Yes, yes, yes. So like 2020 is coming. I'm turning 40. I'm alive. I'm going to launch this decade with climbing an amazing mountain called Ama de Blom. So I'm training for this mountain called Ama de Blom. The world is hit with COVID and I become a superstar homeschool teacher to seven small humans. <laughs> and I that's a job I never signed up for. But here I was. And my son is struggling with his math homework. And he's like, and I said, listen, buddy, we do hard things. You've got this. He goes, if we do hard things, why are you climbing some mountain called I'm a dumb blonde instead of a real mountain like Mount Everest? <laughs> oh, oh, I'm okay. like, buddy, I'm a blonde, not I'm a dumb blonde, <laughs> but thank you. And we'll look at Everest. So then I started looking at Everest. By the end of the week, I'd hired a coach and I was training for Ama de Blom and Everest. And this coach tells me to buy this book. So I bought this book. And in the front of the book, some lady got a Guinness World Record for skiing across the Alps. In a frustrated moment, I'm talking to my coach. and I said, I could have done that. I could have done that. And I would be a cool mom because I got a Guinness World Record. And this momming stuff is really hard right now. And anything that could help me would win. And he's like, I'll come up with one. I said, well, I'm not growing pumpkins or eating hot dogs at a speed limit. So he said, we'll think of something. He called me back a few weeks later and he's like, Jen, 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 I got this perfect record for you. I don't even remember the conversation. So I'm like, okay, what is it? He said, I think you should become the first female to climb the seven second summits. I'm like, I don't even know what those are. He's like, well, they're the second highest point on each continent. They're harder than the first seven. They've never been done by a female. And let's be honest, Seven continents, seven mountains, seven kids. Sounds like a jackpot to me. Oh, I just, oh my God, that's incredible. Yes, 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 yes. So me never having slept in a tent more than one night or not even on snow, I said, sure, let's check it out. (laughs) My life is supposed to be significant. This sounds pretty significant. I'm I'm in. We recently on this podcast had retired Marine veteran Kirsty Ennis on the podcast. Oh, I love her. Right. Is she amazing? Right. So she she's conquered six of the seven tallest summits. Um, yes. She's made two efforts at Everest, turned back twice. Um, but so you're doing something totally separate. This is the seven second highest summits. This is Everyone Talks to Liz, and we will be right back. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Clayman. Just go to Indeed.com slash Clayman right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Clayman. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, let's talk about one dumb blonde or one dumb but that that. <laughs> what country was that in? So, yeah, so Ama de Blom is located in Nepal. So same as Everest. I did Everest to train for K2. Wait, wait, wait. wait. Uh, that's you don't get to harder... just throw that out. I did Everest. You made it to the top? Yes, yes. Oh, my gosh. Yes. So Everest, so the second summits are harder than the first seven. So okay. I didn't want K2 to be my first mountain. That was an 8,000-meter peak. Mm-hmm. So I did Mount Everest first and then went to go attempt K2. But yes, yeah, so Ama de Blom is a mountain that all of you, if you've seen Paramount Pictures logo, that's the Ama de Blom logo. Oh, that's sure. The, yeah, yep. the big white peak. Yes, it's beautiful. Look at what you're all learning here. Yes. Trivia that we didn't <laughs> know before. Jen, I'm already so educated by you. This is, and I'm not kidding. I'm loving this story. Okay, so what was the first sort of moment where you thought, okay, this is going well. I made Everest. Uh, you know, I've, I've done all. It's a, when did you run into trouble? Um, you know, all of them had trouble and all of them had wins, right? But so my big trouble was the first attempt at K2. So I had done Ama de Blom. Then I went to go do Ojos del Salado, which is the second highest point in South America. Then I went to Mount Kenya, which is second highest point in Africa. Okay. Went to Everest. And then I was going to K2. And on K2, um, we did not have success. Um, I was I had success in a different way. So I should say it that way. Okay. When I went to Summit K2, I was ahead of our team um, because we were trying to spread people out on the mountain. And we got a radio call at one point, And one of our teammates got caught in an avalanche. Oh. So the avalanche... Um, unfortunately, one of my teammates died, one of them got injured, and one of them got trapped on the mountain for most of the day until it was safe enough to go rescue him. And I had a choice. Do I want to continue to summit or do I want to go down? Mm-hmm. And I believe in people over peaks. So yes. uh, the mountain's always going to be there. Who I show up and how I support my team is more important. So I went down, um, helped with all the things that needed to be taken care of, flew back to the United States. And processed that failure to some extent. Um, But the real win, here's the win of this trip, okay? So I'm, you know, I know I made the right decision because had I summited, it would always been clouded with this darkness. So I knew I made the right decision, but it was still hard because I was going to be away from my kids again. It costs a lot of money, all these things. Well, that failure introduced me to a whole bunch of things about K2 that I didn't know before. Okay. And one of the things I didn't know was that there had never been a Pakistani female on top of her own country's prized peak. 
So when I went back to summit in 2022, I I helped sponsor the first Pakistani female to stand on top of that mountain. So I summited, which I thought was amazing. I was super grateful, but I was flooded with tears when I saw this girl get to the top because I know the impact that has for all those little girls that look like her, that get to see somebody just like them on top of that mountain. And K2 is special. K2 is, it's a hard mountain. There's been more people in outer space than the top of K2. Um, I was the third American female to summit. It is not a, like, it is no joke. Right. Right. I have uh, read a lot of climbing books. I don't climb, but I'm fascinated by the whole yeah. process into thin air. John Krakauer's book, I, all of that stuff. I'm the, the, the seven summits. I read that, but what are your kids thinking this whole time? You know, I'm so lucky. Here's what I did right. So if anybody's listening and you take on a goal, involve your community. I was one of those people that didn't want to involve the community because I didn't like, what happens if I failed? I didn't want to have it all over the press that I failed. I got over that story and said, whatever, I'm at least pursuing something huge. So it's worth it. I had never been away from my kids that long. So I went into the school and I said, hey, listen, I'm going to go climb this mountain. I'm probably going to be gone for three or four weeks. I've never been away from my kids this long. Can you guys keep like an extra eye on them? Give them a little grace. Grandma's coming, but still. Mm -hmm. And the school came up with this idea of, well, let's do a what's your Everest campaign. So come in here, teach them about goal setting. We'll line the hallways with little hikers and they put what their goal is. And then we'll track you while you're climbing Everest so that everybody's a part of it. And my kids became like little local heroes because their friends would be like, your mom's here, your mom's doing this or whatever. And they felt so supported and so loved. They were so excited. And they're known as, I'm the mom that climbed Everest. Like when these little kids come over still, they're like, you're the mom that climbed Everest. I am. And I'm going to help you climb it someday if you want to. And they're like, I want to, I want to. So, I mean, by including them, it's almost like they came on the journey with you. Oh, yes. It was such a journey for all of us. I mean, I was, it was what held me strong and kept me going. And it's been, the whole thing's been amazing because I've had so much support. Well, so you've done this. You completed it. Yes. It's incredible. You're the hero. What now? Has that desire to really get out there and live, live, live like like dramatically and put yourself in considerable danger. Has that been quenched or are you looking for the next thing? You know, I think this is how it works for all of us. We master something, we embody it. And then our true win is when we help it, when we use that knowledge and help somebody else in their journey. And so I'm very much on this thing of tell me what your goal is. How can I help you? And when that person gets a little step further because of my assistance, that's my win right now. And it's it's my favorite part. It's like having kids. Motivation. Like if I go do something great, you watch your kid figure it out and you're like, oh my gosh, yes. life's amazing. Yeah. What would your advice be if you could sort of just alter the lens a bit to people out there who actually dream of doing something like starting a business or reaching for a goal. I mean, I I told myself in 2005, I'm going to run the New York City Marathon. I was told I could never run long distances because I was born with scoliosis, curvature of the spine. And, you know, it took me that long. I was in my 40s and I thought, I'm going to do this. And I did it. 
I did it. But whether it's something like that or reaching for what you think is your potential, what have you learned from your entire collective experience that you would say helps them? Well, one, I would say if something bubbles up in your heart, like that's a sign, that's a message for you to listen to and be like, hey, I don't look at bookshelves and want to decorate them like my mother does. Mm -hmm. She doesn't look at mountains and want to climb them like I do. And so it's just one respecting that your calling's unique to you. And so only you can determine if you can make it possible or not. Nobody else has that calling or that knowledge or that knowing. And so first of all, you have to honor the knowing. And then the second thing is just step into it. Like we're all going to die someday. So live here and try it. And if you don't get all the way that you wanted to go, who cares? You're still on the path. And to be honest with you, I stepped into this path of doing the seven second summits. The destination was great. It's the entire journey for the last two and a half years that I couldn't have imagined being a part of a story to help somebody climb a summit that would change a future for a number. Like there's so much magic that happens in the pursuit that let go of what the end result is and just enjoy what unfolds by stepping into what sets your heart on fire. There's so much magic in the pursuit. I am going to remember that, Jen. Thank you so much for revealing a story that to me is is very unique, but so aspirational and inspirational. We really appreciate it. I'm so grateful to be here. And thank you, listeners. Oh, my gosh. Is Jen cool or what? A mom of seven in her 40s. She's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to teach myself how to do this. OK, so no excuses, guys. If something, as she put it, bubbles up into your heart. Don't swat it away, please. We get one shot at this life, right? Thank you so much for tuning in. I love you guys. You know that. I am so grateful. Spread the word about these types of stories that my podcast is able to reveal and I and share them. Please share them. Thank you so much once again. And I'll see you Monday through Friday, 3 p.m. Eastern on The Claim and Countdown on Fox Biz. Want to listen ad-free? You can do it with a Fox News Podcasts Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And then Amazon Prime members, you can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, in these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.